0: of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with a roaring wind Stood defiant in the raging furnace Wrote judgment against tyrants And blazed on the lips of the prophets Scorching history's pages with the fury of his might Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king Setting his throne on straw and manger Drawing forth the tears of shepherds of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus, the one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts, who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need until all we see is him.
1: Until all we see is him. Amen. That video is one of those cinematic videos we are just like right on. You just want to play it over and over again awesome. I just want to give a few remarks as we jump in the message here. Um, We're not going to have a Christmas Eve service. I know some have been asking, uh, you know, we have this lovely venue, Sunday afternoons, but we don't have it for Christmas Eve. But the emphasis is just to be together with family, be with your friends or your loved ones, whoever you're going to be with for Christmas Eve. But we will be meeting next Sunday. So hope to see you uh, there at 2.30 p.m. So it's great to have you here. We're going to wrap up our Uh, Advent series. Um, I thought about on the way in today, I thought maybe I should have a little test, you know, have like a clipboard and mark you guys afterwards to see, you know, who's paying attention and what all the different terms and words mean. But Advent, just for a little refresher, means anticipated waiting or arrival of, because that's from the Latin word adventus, that means come or arrival And so this morning or this afternoon, I should say, as we look at this message, let's kind of take a trip down memory lane. What is Christmas Day like for you? What do you look forward to the most? Maybe it's the the smells, the aroma, maybe you have some baking going on. Maybe you're the type of family that likes to have a big breakfast of sausage and pancakes. Or maybe the family where you, you don't have the breakfast, but you have a big family gathering for lunch. That's something that we enjoyed as a family. You know, as kids, I have to admit, Mom, John, and I always wondered why we have to leave our house every Sunday or every Christmas morning to go to our, our grandma's place. You know, we're like, rush, 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 right? Getting out of the house. But it was a good time. It was good fun to go be with family. But there's things that you remember from those Christmases past. You remember scents. You remember faces. Maybe you're like me. You even remember what people were wearing on some of those Christmas mornings. Perhaps you have that type of photographic memory. And For myself, I could remember almost every Christmas day when I received that anticipated gift. When there's one of those gifts where I was hoping, oh, mom, mom and dad, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping they heard what I was saying this year, that that gift's going to be under the tree, and they're really going to show me their love because that gift's under the tree. And so few of those Christmases I can remember. Now, what are your top 10? If I was to ask you, Tony, what's your top 10 Christmases? You'd probably cycle through and say, well, I remember this day in 1981 because of This. For me, one of those Christmases was when there was a big GT racer under the Christmas tree. And our parents were very fair that, you know, if John got a GT racer, I was going to have a GT racer. So there wasn't any fighting going on, right? And so I remember that Sunday morning, Mom, the GT racer, like, wow, you just jump on. You're like, woo, you know, let's go. Let's get out on the snow hills. Now, if you look like today, a lot of times there's not really any snow. So, you know, poor kids that are waiting for a GT leg racer, but they'll have to wait till the snow actually falls in abundance. But that's one of those Christmas days that I remember. It's a memorable time. And, you know, when you're waiting for Christmas morning, maybe you're like me, and you try to sneak out a little bit. You know, maybe you did it more as a kid. If you're an adult and you're still doing it, that's okay too. It's fine. But you go out and you, you check out what's under the tree. You, you admire the bow and the label wondering, John's wondering, he's looking under the tree. Is this, is this one for me? Oh, no, that's not for me. Oh, I hope that big box under the, over there in the corner is for me. And so we, we look at the bow. We analyze the wrapping and all the, the trimmings of the gift, so to speak, anticipating what could be inside of that box. What's waiting for us under the tree? And for us, you know, it's very similar to how the people of Israel were, that they were waiting for a long time. They were anticipating, awaiting that long-awaited gift of the Messiah to come in the flesh, for God to dwell amongst them. The greatest gift that they ever received, amazingly enough, was no longer being talked about because he had arrived on scene, and they could go see him. They could be just admired By him and pay homage to him. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. And I know that we looked at this passage of scripture before, um, but it's for um, a good purpose here this afternoon. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 says this Then the angel of the Lord stood before them and is referring to shepherds that were out in the fields and says, Glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors." When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. And Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And so the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. How wonderful is it that it says here at the end, they were praising and glorifying God for that which was told to them was true, that they arrived on scene and saw their eyes beholded the Son of God, the child born to them, Emmanuel, God with us. They were no longer taught. Talking about this. They were no longer hoping for this. The reality had come, and now they could admire him in person. And so, we talked about recently that the sign for them was you'd see the baby, the child, I should say, wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. And this would be a sign for all who would look upon him. And the prophet Isaiah prophesied that this child born in Bethlehem is Emmanuel, God with us. And so you could imagine the shepherds that were on the scene are praising, glorifying God for rightful reason because now God's presence is truly amongst them. He's here. It's like we sing here in this place. He is here. There's a song we used to sing. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. For we're standing on holy ground. We are here in his presence. And his presence is all around us. And so similar to the shepherds, what I want to focus on here this afternoon is the gift of God's presence the gift of God's presence. This is the gift that should trump every other gift that we've ever received because at the end of the day, we can say, God is with me. You can say to your friend, your loved ones, whatever you're going through, God is with you. He is with you. And this is something that I'm tremendously thankful for this morning because, you know, as you get older, and I know many of of you here are my senior, and so I submit to your wisdom and your experience, but I'm realizing that as I get older, I'm only 36, I'm more thankful as days go by for the presence of God in my life, intervening his grace, his forgiveness for all the silly, stupid things I've ever done. And so I want us to turn to John chapter one, verse one, and we're going to look at this presence because my goal here this afternoon is that when we leave this place, when we go through our final preparations for Christmas, that on Christmas, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas day, we will be thankful and reflecting on his presence, that he's with us, that his presence truly trumps all the presence. Okay. It's a little reminder there. John 1:1 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. But he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not recognize him. But to all, and this is where we want to park, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth full of grace and truth. You have to love as you're looking at this passage of scripture, it speaks to God who was before all time, who's not bound by time and space. The one who said before the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am, is the same God who has come and dwelt among us the very one the shepherds witnessed with their own eyes. And so what I want to encourage us with this say this afternoon is his presence. When we reflect on the gift of his presence, it's going to not only reveal the state of our heart and the condition thereof, but it'll transform our heart and our mind to want more of a relationship with him. To long for him to guide us in every step, to shape and mold us, and to be like Mary, the mother of Jesus, to respond in astounding faith and joy because of the holy love of God. You might be sitting here wondering, well, why are you emphasizing the holy love of God? And the reason why I'm emphasizing that here this afternoon is that holy means to be set apart. And so our father in heaven is truly unlike anyone else. His love is unlike anyone else because even though he could have rightfully written us off because of our failure, our inability to keep his law, our inability to keep his covenant, he said, you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to send my son into the world for you. He's truly set apart. How many of you could say that you're willing to give your life for the person sitting next to you? That's something that I don't, I don't know if I could do that. But here we see that not only has God sent his son, he sent his son for every single person who was born and would be born. So they can be reconciled to God. And this is the very thing, praise God, that Mary was treasuring in her heart when the shepherds came to her and said, we saw the angels and they testified to us that the son of God has been born in Bethlehem. You can imagine the things that the shepherds were sharing with Mary. And it says in Luke chapter 2, 19, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. When we think that God is with us, his spirit is with us, this will start to stir things internally. This will start to stir our heart to want what he wants and to ask him to give us eyes to see how he's in our midst. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As we looked at last week, you know, the, the Pharisees were telling King Herod where the child would be born. And yet they weren't in a rush to go and see this child. They were, they were living in the past. They weren't living in the present And yet the wise men were the ones who were living in the present wanting to worship this son who was born, the king of the Jews. That's because I believe that their treasure was being reformed and reshaped. And so where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I want us to look for a few moments at Mary's praise. You know, last week I said, and I want to bring a full circle, that we emphasize how the wise men, when they appeared on scene, it says that they bowed down at the feet of the child and worshipped him. And I made note that, you see, they didn't worship Mary. Many times we get in a place where we, we put Mary on a pedestal. At times even the whole, you know, certain denominations will lift up Mary as the mother of God where Mary really actually was the servant of the Most High, living according to his will to bear this child, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she got it right. So let's look at her praise for a moment of how she's understanding and how she articulates this devotion and praise towards this holy, loving God. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary said this, "'My soul praises the greatness of the Lord.'" And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors." And so you see here, and as we look at this passage, she's exemplifying for us this devotion to a holy God, a God who was truly set apart in his love and his fervorosity for his creation. She exemplified this faith and devotion and believing that not only is he set apart, but he would do what he said he would do in destroying the works of the devil, Because she knew why he had to come. She knew why he had to come on scene to save all his people. And so as we reflect on Mary's praise, we can see that she's submitting herself rightfully before God. She's not putting herself on a pedestal. She's describing herself as the servant of the Holy One. And so I'm encouraged that as we position ourselves like Mary in a place of saying, I'm a servant of the Most High, I'm a servant of the Holy One, that we are going to experience and encounter His presence that is so tangible, so moving and transforming of our heart and mind that our life will never be the same. And for, for sure, we know Mary's life was never the same, was it? From that moment on, she saw wonderful, maybe even indescribable things. And even her heart, as the prophet said, her heart was pierced when she saw her son give his life for all mankind. And yet she called herself blessed. She called herself blessed because she realized, as we're told in 1 John 3, 8, of why Jesus came. Check this out. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning, but the Son was revealed from God for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. And if you can remember that statement that Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, think about this one, Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And this shouts to us that this grace, this favor upon favor through faith in Jesus, that he's able to crush the serpent in our life. You know, sometimes at Christmas, we hear of stories. We hear of tragic stories even thereof. This past week, and it's been a real blessing in my life as people watch online, about maybe four to five emails a night from people you know, saying, we've tuned in and please help me. And, you know, recently this one mother wrote in, and I'm not going to give names because it's not my place to do so, but I had permission to share their story. And she wrote in and saying, my daughter is addicted to all kinds of drugs to the point where she OD'd a few nights ago and she's on auction. We don't think she's going to make it. And so they are living in this place and realizing this destructive force of the evil one in their life. And yet in that moment, we were able to come together, we were able to pray together and saying, this doesn't have to be the end of the story because God who works, you know, not within our time and space, he can reach into her life, even in a place where we think she's not conscious. I truly believe that what seems impossible for us is not impossible for God. And so it was a ministering opportunity to speak of God's presence in the good, the bad, and even the ugly. And so I want to encourage us this afternoon that when we look at this gift of God's presence, which is truly remarkable, unlike anything else we've ever received, this includes crushing Satan in our own life. Now you may be sitting here thinking, what kind of Christmas message is this? At the end of the day, this is why he came. Jesus came to rescue us. He is the way of salvation. So you might be asking me, Graham, like, well, what are Satan's works? This is something I've always wondered. What exactly are those works? So very quickly, if we were to pour over Scripture from cover to cover, you would quickly find, right at the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, we can see that one of the works of Satan is to entice us and seduce us to go against God's established will. Right from the beginning, right in the garden, he says to Adam and Eve, did God really say? He wants to shift our focus. He wants to shift our priorities, to put a focus on ourselves instead of rightfully worshiping God. And Mary had it right. She rightfully put herself in the right position. And so at Christmas, I got to tell you, this Christmas, what I'm going to be pondering on, what I'm going to be thankful for is not only is God's presence with us, but he, his favor is upon us to crush the work of the devil in our life once and for all. Maybe there's something, you know, Jim, that you're dealing with, maybe, you know, Nathan that you're dealing with, or, or you know, all of you in attendance, there's something that maybe it's been nipping at your heels for the last several years, this year, reach out to Christ and to say, Lord Jesus, deliver me from this thing that's been nipping at my heels, that's been wreaking havoc in my life. Because his plan, his banner over us is love. Mary had this faith. Mary had this understanding that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us would rescue her people from this tyranny of the evil one. And so it should encourage us, it should speak to us. And I'm speaking to myself because there are things in my own life, in my thought life, that every day it's a spiritual battle. You could probably nod in agreement or even say amen that you're experiencing spiritual warfare on a daily basis. It's in our times of our greatest need where he seems to find a way in. Maybe our armor is a little bit loose when we face those situations. But when we realize that God is with us, that his presence is with us, we're able to stand up. We're able to embrace the armor of the Lord that's all around us. The shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation. Truly believing that we are saved and bought. And the reason why I say bought is just like at Christmas, we buy these gifts. We buy the gifts for those that we love so much. You know, maybe you've bought a gift sometime, and you're like, man, I can't wait for them to open this gift. This is going to be fantastic. And they rip off the wrapping, they toss the bow, they open it, and the face goes from excitement to, oh no. And you're worried like, oh my goodness, did I get this completely wrong? Did we cross, you know, we mix up signals here? I thought I had this all figured out. We've probably experienced that when we've exchanged gifts one time or the other. And you know, mom, forgive me, I'm sure there's a few times where I had that look on my face like, mom, this isn't exactly what I wanted. Christmas is the time where we can reflect and remember what Jesus has given us. Sometimes we don't realize how great of a need, how much we really did need that gift. That's something that I was speaking to myself even this morning as I was going through and going over the notes in this message, realizing how so badly I needed that gift that once and for all gift of Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here today and you may ask the question, was it really necessary? In Isaiah 53 it says that he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sin, that our punishment was upon him so that we could be made whole. You might say, was it really necessary? Was it really necessary for him to give his life, for his blood to be shed for our forgiveness? You know, that seems a little dark for Christmas, But in in truth, that's the reality of it. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, couldn't he have just spoken forgiveness? You know, Barb, you're forgiven. I forgive you. Now, yeah, he operates out of our time and space. You know, he does things that are not our ways, but yet scripture is very clear that it wasn't a matter of spoken revelation that you and I are saved, but by faith in the redemptive work of Christ. And this is something that I'm pondering on that I'm so thankful for this Christmas season that he came as this tremendous gift, Sue, to give his life for you and me. He caught our attention by the sign. That was like the bow. And the wrapping, he was wrapped tightly in the manger as the sign that, yeah, he has come. But then the the other sign was the cross. As a man, as he was lifted up, and gave his life on the cross at Calvary so that you and I could be forgiven. The ultimate, the greatest gift, greater than any GT racer, greater than the iPod or whatever those gifts you may have received in years past. This Christmas, my encouragement to us this afternoon is this, to reflect on that gift, to reflect on the amazing gift that we have of his presence and also of the justification, the forgiveness that we have because God was truly holy and loving. And so as we transition here, I want to encourage you with this. You know, when we search for that perfect gift, Graham, when you're, when you're going around looking for a gift for Debbie, you may not have already got the gift. Perhaps you have, and I'm, I got all my faith in you that you have. But if you haven't, you're looking for that gift to say, you know, to speak to her, I really love you. And as you're looking for that gift, just keep in mind, if you're a last minute shopper, remember that God loved you so much, he knew the very thing that you needed most, knew what would impact you to the greatest degree, and that was his son, the gift of salvation. So remember that as you go, as you shop and get those last minute gifts, as you look at, you know, the way you're going to wrap that gift as you put on the bow, as you wrap it, and as you prepare it to give it with all that love remember the gift of his presence and the ultimate gift of forgiveness through Jesus. Amen? So I'm gonna invite the worship team to come because the last few weeks, you know, as I look at the podcast, I'm like, my goodness, bro, like I've, you know, I've spoke for like 45 minutes recently and I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) So I wanted to um, end in a more timely fashion here today. But maybe the kind of person who likes to wake up, maybe with a coffee. Paul, maybe you wake up with a coffee or a tea. or And you like to open up scripture. And what I'd like to do here is the word of God can speak far greater, far better than I ever could. And so as the worship team prepares to lead us, I want to read John chapter 3. And after I read, I'm just going to f- give a few quick thoughts about this passage. But you can look at this truly holy love of God that is set apart. Barb and Jim, totally set apart. Totally set apart. It says this in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Here's the kicker. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. And so if you're following along and you're looking at this passage, a few quick things just to pull out here is that God was not looking for an excuse, friends, for him to say, I'm done with you. He wasn't looking for an excuse to cut you off, Graham. Rather, he was going to pull out all his procurement of heaven to rescue us. And it came down to his son being the one that needed to be sent. I wrote this in my notes. I wasn't sure if I was going to say this, but it's important that I do. I wrote this here: If anyone is lost, if we are truly lost, it's by our own choice. That's what this passage is showing us. If we are lost, it's because of our own choice. It's like on Christmas Day, where you come down to the tree and you see the gift barb that's you know written right for you, and then you say to the gift holder, "No thanks, I don't want your gift." It's essentially the same thing when we can truly say to Jesus, thanks, but no thanks. I don't need the light, like the light peering through the window. I don't don't want your light. I don't want your light to expose things in my life. I like the way my life is all tidy and packed, but we can see here in this passage, the effects of belief and unbelief are clear. And so as the worship team goes to lead us, I just want to shift our attention here. The focus here then is our response to the light. This Christmas season, whether you're in Christ, you're a veteran in the faith or not, how will you respond to his light? How do we respond to his light this afternoon? Do we choose to soak in the ray of his light and allow him to transform us, to mold us, to bind us, to want what he wants? And when we receive that gift, we truly can do, as the scripture says, to put Satan under our feet and to walk in everlasting life and fullness of joy. Because that's what the Advent season is about, that when we receive Christ, we will experience this spring, this river of life-giving water, that we live in this peace, in this joy, because we. We've been forgiven, and we've been reconciled to the Father. And we experience this great gift of forgiveness. It's a gift we couldn't earn. It's a gift we didn't deserve. A gift we didn't deserve. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 2 Verse 8, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not from works so that anyone can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. For though through Him we both have access to one Spirit in the Father, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. In Him you have been built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. And this is all because it says in Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love by which he loves us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our sin, you are saved by grace. And so this, friends, myself, as I preach to myself, this is the Christmas message. That we were saved not by the works of ourselves, but through our faith in him, we have this tremendous promise of his presence his presence in our life to live a victorious life as we believe, as we trust in him, and we will overflow with peace and joy. The evidence is all around. Just look in your life. Just look in your life and to see how God has shown up, how he's been working through, how he's, he's molding you and shaping you. In Jesus' name, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder, this this Christmas, that we can put a smile on our face, that even though we were lost, that you thought of us before time began. That that gift of your son that was given, that you gave his life for us at Calvary, that our name was written on the cross. For each person here today, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the tremendous gift, your love that was shown through Jesus to restore our relationship with you, that at Christmas, we can remember you. We can share with others that I was once far off, but I have been brought near. That Jesus, the light of the world, the tree of life, is the gift that was given for me. And now that I am truly impacted and changed for all time. Thank you, Jesus, for that revelation here this afternoon. Thank you for your word that washes over us. As we sing, Lord, be lifted up. Be with us as we celebrate together as families and friends, enjoying time and camaraderie with our friends and family. Thank you that we can remember you this season. You are the greatest gift that we have ever received. In Jesus'
0: name, amen.